Good morning, Chair City Church. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So glad you're here. Glad you're glad to be here. We are in a, a series called If. We're uh, jumping into the book of Romans, specifically Romans chapter 8, the great 8 as they call it. One of the things I, I don't know, I value, I enjoy about Chair City Church is um, our diversity, especially, you know, for this region, this demographic, we really do have a good amount of diversity. We have people coming in here from different backgrounds. I mean, ethnically, uh, racially, economic, socioeconomically, and even spiritually. It's just really amazing the, you know, the, the variety we have and people come to different spiritual backgrounds that people have come from to come in here and how we've come in united. It's one of the richest elements of who we are and it's nurtured and facilitated by our culture and our vision. Now, although we are diverse and that diversity brings differences, we do have something in common and that's each one of us has a story. We also call it our, our testimony, right? Meaning it's a story of where I've been and this is what God has done and what he's doing in my life. It's precious. It's a treasure. And, and it's something that's going on in the lives of people in here. Uh, for me, it's an ongoing. My testimony is something that's ongoing. I, I really do believe that. Uh, and I, I, I live in that way. You talked to me five years ago, it would have been that testimony. You know, now it's this testimony. I believe in two or three years, I, I'll be able to share other great things that God is, is doing in my life. And, and, be, and because of our mission here to see people come to know Jesus, we have this ongoing kind of a pipeline of testimonies coming, coming in here. And it's a beautiful thing. Even uh, this past Friday, we did our freedom retreat. It's a beautiful time of people. It's one of the life groups. They're coming together 12, 13 weeks. And for the first time, we, uh, we did it here. Kind of we, we brought it together on our own. And we had about 24 people go up to the uh, D.L. Moody homestead, Moody's property out there in Northfield, Massachusetts. And yet they come together and, and, and they... They hit certain critical areas in their life and they, they profess things uh, to God. They pray, they worship, they, they read scripture. And the beauty of that, in just the, what the people were telling me what was going on, the wonderful response I got from people who attended this, and, and, and some of them are people who've come to faith recently here, or who've just kind of begun their journey of faith, to hear them going through that is a beautiful thing. It's adding to their story, Yes? It's great. Yeah, yeah. And, and even to hear people who have been in the faith for maybe 20, 30 years saying it, it just, it was such a wonderful, impacting time. It was awesome. I love it. Something added to the testimony, to the story, right? Now, some of us grew up in a home where mom and dad loved God and they, they brought us up in a faith. They weren't perfect, but they did pass that faith on to us. Some of us had good parents. I mean, they didn't have a personal, intimate act of faith in God, but good people, and they did the best they could. And by God's mercy, one thing led to another, and Jesus invaded our lives, yes? Some of us came through alcohol and drug addictions. Some of us came up in homes. They were broken, just really difficult, sometimes tragic situations. Some of us came up in a home where, you know, kind of, it was a religion thing, and it was you know, presented to us in a way like works-based, meaning the way you would kind of acquiesce or make things right with God is by doing certain things. But it was kind of disconnected from having a relationship with God, you know, from, you know, from really becoming familiar with the God who loves you. And yet here you are today, worshiping God and knowing he loves you, right? It's 
Beautiful. Now, all of us have this journey, a story. Our testimonies remind us that our past doesn't have to be our destiny. Our testimonies remind us that where we've been doesn't have to be where we're going. And all of our stories, although they differ, I'm privileged and I'm blessed to know so many of the details in many of your stories. Every story seems to have two elements. The, the first, people. Someone told you, told me about Jesus, right? Could have been parents, friend, neighbor, right? Where, you know, someone invites you to church, share their faith with you. Might have heard them speak somewhere. But God used that person or those persons. In my case, it was like a project, you know, a, an 11-year ongoing group of literally probably dozens of people. I was a project. Literally, like, they saw me as a project. They turned me the project. <laughs> and they were on it. And that's another sermon. Like, so much so that when they would look for opportunities that they could attach to me to see for me to come into the kingdom. Hence, that's how I wound up meeting Christy. One of them said, oh, wow. They looked, they saw Christy. Okay, he'll like this. Got on the phone and called me. Say, hey, why don't you come on out? It is what it is, you know? Look, but these persons acted as signposts. God used them to bring you, to direct you to him. And then there's the moment, that moment, right? That single moment a person comes to Jesus Christ, surrenders their life to Jesus. Some of you might know the time, the date, the minute that it happened. For some, it, it was kind of spread out a bit, but, but pretty much in a particular season, this moment, moments where we have surrendered ourselves to Jesus Christ, where we trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that moment itself is between a person and their God. Yeah, we contribute to it. God uses us in a wonderful way, and he did in my life, these people. But when it comes to the moment, it is between a human being, them, and the God who created them, right? It is between God, between them and God, Holy Spirit. We who have trusted in Jesus Christ, we've had this moment. And it was sort of like an if moment, right? I'm not talking about like if only, we talked about last week, if only leans a lot towards regrets. I'm not even talking about what if, a little applicable, what if is more about the future. But I'm talking right now like as, you know, if. I think it's more as if. When we say as if, we're talking about perspective. We're talking about paradigm. In current slang, it kind of is used in a negative way. But really, the meaning of it is as I would be, as I think I could be, as I would if I could, as if. We had that when we came to Christ. In that moment, we had that as if time, a moment where our perspective of who we are and who God is was developed in an extraordinary way. That moment where we're we were changed, uh, transformed radically in how we saw God, this, this world, and ourselves. A moment where it seemed as if the realm that we were living in was insufficient. Crazy, right? Suddenly, in that moment, who we were, how we were living, the realm we were in, our world, was lacking, was insufficient, wasn't good enough, maybe even was falling very short. And it wasn't promising at all. But the realm that we seemed to be moving into in that moment 
was extraordinarily promising and seemed so much better and had so much more potential and possibility than the realm that we were living in. It was a wonderful moment. You see, those persons who are part of you coming to faith in Jesus Christ, they were, they were signposts, they were encouragers to help, you to, be, oh, to help you to be aware that there is another realm, another life. Let's jump into Romans chapter 8, verse 8 through 11. Romans 8, 8. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. See, the idea of flesh is one who lives a life in opposition to God. Now, you, you might not be aware of this, but you have a force in you that's either driving you to live in opposition to God or a force that's driving you to pursue God's plan and purposes in your life. One of those two forces exists in you. Now, if you're living by your flesh, and again, this is not material, this is spiritual, you're being driven by an inner force that's in opposition to God. So you're continually navigating life, trying to figure out how to balance, how to manage, how to manipulate, how to do this, how to justify it, how to balance it, how to get away with it. That's, this is an internal reality. A lot more negative than positive. It's a reality. You, but you've set your mind to it. You've rationalized it. You've warmed up to it. You've embraced it. It's, it's reasonable and normal. And that's the driving force in your life. So those in the flesh, the Bible says, cannot please God. Now, some of you are saying, Dave, you know what? I'm really not interested in pleasing God. That's cool. We can hang out. We could talk. But, and you say, Dave, it's, it's my life, right? I mean, I, I, I think I've got the right to do what I want, to think what I think, to have my opinion, you know? Uh, and, and I'm good with that. I really am. My question to you would be, what is so good about that? And, and is your good good for everyone in your life? Is it good for those closest to you, to lo those who have attached themselves to you? Is it good? Is it good for all of humanity? Is it good? Huh? And consider this. The Cleveland Clinic, which is one of the top hospitals in the United States, actually it's one of the top medical centers in, in, in organizations in the world, estimates that 80% of our thoughts are negative. So that, that, when I say, oh, like as a human being, so the Cleveland Clinic, one of the top hospitals in the United States, releases a recent study, one of the top medical organizations in the world says, our recent study says that 80% of a human being their thoughts are negative. Then, a little bit deeper, a little bit more study, I see that according to the National Science Foundation, another recent study, says the average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And they agree with the Cleveland Clinic saying, yes, our studies show 80% of those thoughts are negative. And actually 95% of those negative thoughts are repetitive thoughts. The same negative thought over, 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 over again. Kind of some of that stuff is what is dealt with at the Freedom Retreat and at the Freedom Group. Just thought I'd toss that out there to you. Hmm? So we repeat those negative thoughts. So do the math here. Hang in there with me. I want you to pause. I, I, I want you to get this. 
I really want you to let this settle in. I mean, we're talking science now. We're talking medicine, right? Because science, medicine, technology, that, that's king, right? That's the, the authority in our generation. That's what we're speaking to now. Top entities in science, in medicine, are telling us this. So, figure it out, math. So, 12,000 thoughts a day, Christy, right? 60,000 thoughts a day, yours truly, me, right? You got, you got Lloyd out there, it's probably like a couple of dozen thoughts a day. Listen, I say that, my father-in-law is the most clear-headed person you will ever meet on this planet. <clears throat> if, you, if you live with him, it's actually not something you would applaud, so I just put that out there. We love you, Lloyd. Yeah. Look, so what does that tell So let, let's just lowball it and go with an average of 20,000 thoughts per day. So if we're having, on the low side, 20,000 thoughts per day, a human being, that's you and me. Science tells us that 80% of those thoughts are negative. Modern science, modern medicine, what does that mean? Do the math. What is that telling you? You're having 16,000, or you're capable of having 16,000, a human being in the flesh is capable of having and more likely having 16,000 negative thoughts a day. And many of those are repetitive over and over. Now let's pause and consider this. And hang on there, if you're just not a believer in God, or you're, you're kind of like on the fence with it. Just consider this. The Bible tells us that we do not battle against flesh and blood, the physical, the material, but we battle against dark forces, against spiritual principalities. The Bible tells us that in those spiritual principalities is, is Satan and his demons, and that Satan is the father of lies, that he roams and wars and he, he seeks who he can devour. And the way he more than not does that devouring is by speaking lies and deceit and discouragement and deception into our minds, yes? That's, that's right in that 16,000 being repeated over and over. That's what modern medicine, if you're living in opposition to God, if you don't, can't even consider anything supernatural or spiritual, this is your good. Meaning this is as good as it gets. This is Tom Brady. This is Jim Mer I mean, I, mean, I should say, this is Tom Brady. This is your, any average person. They're human beings. So what I would say is this is your good. But maybe... God can take your good and replace it with his great. Yeah? Maybe God has got something greater than just 16,000 negative thoughts a day for you. Maybe God has got something greater than just rehashing and replaying that negative thought over and over. Huh? Of course he does. Verse 9, Romans chapter 8. It says, you, those who trust and believe in Jesus, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So how does the spirit of God come to live in a person? 
A person puts their faith and trust in Jesus. You can believe in Jesus. I think that's a, a positive thing. It's a good thing. But, you know, as we say often, the, the demons in hell believe in Jesus. But to put your faith in Jesus, you don't, you don't know how it all is going to come, but you, you, you put your faith in Jesus. The moment was real. You now are in the spiritual realm. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. And you put your trust in Jesus. In his perfect life. In his death on the cross. In his resurrection. Glorious. And in his deity. Fully God. Fully man. When, a per- when that happens, the spirit of God takes up residence in a person's life. In that moment, you and I, us, we felt as if we could change. <laughs> we felt as if we were not who we thought we were, but we were becoming who God was calling us to be as we were moving from the realm of the flesh to the realm of the spirit. We felt as if there was a force driving us to make Different choices, more courageous choices, right? Choices that immediately, once as hard as they were, we made them and stepped out. There was comfort. There was security. There was resolve. Choices that it was if we were becoming united with God. Because we were. We were in the realm of the spirit. We felt as if we had peace and belonged. Because the spirit of God was alive in us. Like we had this sense of belonging. This this wellness. And that's because we belonged to Jesus Christ. We belong to Jesus Christ. And his spirit lives in you and me. And I want you to know that God is pleased to have his spirit live in you. You know when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus... In that moment, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit lives in that person. What Paul is saying here in verses 8 and 9, that in your flesh you can't please God. You cannot live in the realm of the flesh and please God. But if you're not in the flesh and you're in the spiritual realm, well then the Spirit of God lives in you, dwells in you. So here's the question I have. And I want to put it out to you. I just want you to pause and I'm going to ask you, but you asked yourself this question today. Does the Spirit of God live in you? Think. If you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, if you had that moment, that time when you were moved from the realm of the flesh to the realm of the Spirit, the Bible, God's Word to us says, yes, His Spirit lives in you. There's a French philosopher who, yeah, you know, it's a long name and it's in French, so I'm not going to even try and say his whole name. I'm just, we'll just call him Pierre. <laughs> He's a Jesuit priest and he said it well. He says, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. So, From this perspective, we look at those 16,000 daily negative thoughts as a spiritual problem, right? Because that's how we can conquer. That's how we can take them down and beat them down. If we just go about in the realm of the flesh, 
Then how? What? It's, it, we're, we're raking leaves under a tree. We're playing the, the show game. We're trying to psych ourselves out and, and run away here and trying to make it better here. And, but in the spiritual realm, we say, this is a spiritual problem. That should not happen here. And if it is, it's a spiritual problem. We will address it spiritually because we're spiritual beings, yes? And the Spirit of God lives in us, yes? yes. And it's 16,000. You think it affects the mind? The emotions? The body? Of course. That's just scientific. That's medicine. It's pervasive. It's not, we're not talking about a, a tendency to just think or do a negative thing. What we're seeing on the surface is nothing compared to what's going on inside. And, and what's happening is, what you're getting is, is this, this sinful nature. That's the, the flesh. Meaning, apart from the existence of a God, this is what it is. Which we would spiritually say, it, it's us and our sinful and left alone to our sinful nature, the flesh. That is in opposition to God. That in itself, in itself, scientifically, is 16,000 negative thoughts a day. And that's if you're on the low side. And then when we talk about those negative thoughts, and we say them, it compounds the problem. We bring life to them. But at the same time, there's something about using your voice to, to, to speak Words that are powerful. The Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death, yes? Actually, I'll go back. I'm paranoid. When you, when you are at that freedom retreat, that's part of it, is you're professing. You're out loud speaking. To this is now who I am. This is who God says I am. It's a powerful thing to do. Today, let's profess. Today, right now, do an ex- audit of your life. Just quickly, just do a self introspection of your life and say yeah yeah there are some challenges on me right now I've got some challenges on me right now huh me I do there are some uncertainties right I mean it's forget about on the horizon just right now this week today real ones I, I got them but that holy glorious but Here's what I'm saying. Here's what we say who live in the spiritual realm. Romans 8, 9 says, the spirit of God lives in me. And because the spirit of God lives in me, I can see myself going through the challenges and the uncertainties as if I am strong, as if I am hopeful, as if I am courageous, as if I am generous, as if I am humble. Yes? I can see it. I can feel it. The Spirit of God lives in me, and whatever it is, that negative thought, that, that challenge, that uncertainty, I'm not going to dwell in the negative. I'm not going go to go back to that spiritual realm. I'm going to live as if the Spirit of God is in me, because it is. And I'm going to say to myself and believe, I can see myself going through this as if I'm strong. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to hold to my faith. I will not waver. I will not compromise. As if I'm hopeful. Why am I only looking at the negative? What could be? What possibility? What could God do here? I'm filled with hope. As if I am courageous. I am going to do what is right. 
I'm not perfect. I'm not the most holiest person out there. No way. But I'm going to give all that I can to do what is right, even though I don't know what the outcome will be. And even though there might be consequences, I will do what is right. As if I'm generous. I'm not just going to live showed up and isolated in myself, only looking out for myself in a self-centered way to protect myself and only consider myself. No way. I will be generous. My time, my finances, my life, I'm going to be generous. My forgiveness, as if I am humble. I'm going to think of others before myself. I'm consider those, those who God has placed in my life. I will go through challenges and uncertainties in a way where I will glorify God as I go through this with a godly humility and I'm considering others. And in so, when all is said and done, it will be good. It will be good for them and good for me. God will be great and glorified. We all will be better, yes? You either live in the flesh or you live in the spirit. You're either being driven from your flesh or you're being driven from your spirit. Which one is driving you? Which wolf are you feeding today? You can't be kind of in the spirit and kind of in the flesh. It's like you can't be kind of pregnant, right? Whatever is the driving force in your life, that's what you are setting your mind to. It's how it works. That's what's going to drive you. And that is what is going to consume your inner life, right? So what does consume mean? 16,000 negative. That, it consumes you, right? But it could be hundreds or thousands of, of life-giving, true promises of God, yes? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Say, imagine saying that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you know what? I'm going to repeat that. And I'm going to repeat it again. And I'm going to let it keep coming back to me. And that's what's going to be repetitive and replayed. And that's what's going to flood my mind. Because I live in the spiritual realm. And it is there for me to tap into right now. And I believe that one powerful verse from the scripture, one professed truth of God, can slay hundreds and thousands of negative thoughts. It is the remedy, people. It is the answer. It is the power. What about Romans 9 telling me that the Spirit of God lives in me and that I belong to Jesus Christ? What? Invading my mind, taking residence in my mind and my heart. Romans chapter 8, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the spirit of God lives in you. Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. We call that the Trinity, right? One God existing eternally in three separate persons. That's another sermon. But it's powerful. It's phenomenal. No other faith or religion in all the history of the world has anything like this. And it speaks to relationship. It speaks to relationship from the very beginning. Let us make men, women in our image. So here in verse 10, though, Paul is saying something. And it's important. 
Paul is saying the body is what? Is dead. Meaning he's saying that our bodies are subject to death. Hence the negative thoughts. As I was saying, those negative thoughts, they're not productive, are they? They're destructive to the emotions, to the body. They are. And that's because we are decaying. We are subject to death. You and I. On this side of eternity, we have death in our bodies. It's the reality of sin. You see how the spiritual does line up with the science? And it's true. You'll see it all around you. I, I see it. I'm, I'm, I'm living it now. Last Saturday, I, I just got up. I wasn't feeling right. By the time the day ended, I was just feeling not well. By the time I got up Sunday morning, I was just, without the details, I was sick. Literally, like I was in pain physically. And as I went through this week, especially the first few days, I was struggling. I'm going to tell you, I am... I'm not a nasty patient to have. I don't think I'm grumpy. That's debatable, right? I'm kind of more like a, you know, like when it comes to that, I got to now be in bed because I, I just, oh, to just sit there and not do anything. And I, I'm kind of more like a whiner, right? You know? Yes? Okay, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very needy. I'm de- That's two yeses. Thank you, baby. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but what it was telling me was, is that my body is dying, right? Huh? My body is subject to death. Look, it's a reality. My days are winding down. And for you young ones in here who are laughing, your days are winding down too. It's, a, it's the truth, huh? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones used to be a a beloved pastor in England, and before he was a pastor, he was a medical physician. He said this, the moment we enter into the world, we begin to live. We also begin to die. Your first breath is one of the last you will ever take. And the principle leading to death is in every one of us. It's a principle, meaning that we are on a path to death that exists in every single human being. Now, sometimes we don't like the radical realities of the Scripture. But this is not only reality of Scripture. This is just true, right? I mean, who's going to argue that? As we begin to live, we begin to die. We believe, spiritually, it's because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You and I are walking paradoxes. Our bodies are winding down, dying but the spirit of God in us is being made alive. Our bodies are winding down, decaying, sickness, negative thoughts. But the spirit of God in us is being made alive. So we can still visit somebody. We can still pray for somebody. We can still say a kind word, right? We can still think wonderful things. We can say them to those we love because the spirit of God in us is alive. We have eternal life in us. You have that within you. And we live in a broken world at the same time. We have death in us and we have life in us. Ultimately, because we believe in Jesus Christ, trust and our faith in him, life wins, yes? Love wins. When Jesus Christ lives in you, his love is rooted in you. I, I want you to let that simmer in your mind, that phenomenal truth. 
Jesus loves me. Repeat that over and over. Let it bring peace rather than pessimism, rather than pressure, rather than panic. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. If you are in Christ, you are resurrected with Jesus. I just want you to get the picture here that Paul's describing. The Spirit of God lives in you, and you will receive the same resurrection that Jesus did. You and I, like Jesus, will conquer death. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. The Apostle Paul writes, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee. Some verses say sealed. That he will give us the inheritance he promised and, then, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify for him. When you're singing this last song today, I just want you to think about praising and glorifying God because of what he did and because of what he did who we are. You see that word guarantee there? The spirit is God's guarantee. In the original language, it described what we would know as uh, an engagement ring. Yeah. So what does an engagement ring mean? Aside that somebody forked out a bunch of money, right? Well, when you see it, it means you know there exists a day in the future when a person or someone who gave me this ring or someone who gave them that ring is going to come and make me or make them their spouse, right? It's a promise. So much anticipation, right? I remember when we lived going up to our engagement, I would just... Um, Man, I, would, I had a diamond for like months before I proposed to Chris here. I would look at it every day. Couldn't wait to give it to her. Um, when we met, you know, Chrissy had all, you know, she was a picture person on the walls and albums. And, you know, I guess she had met guys before me, none like me, you know, of course. And I didn't like it. I, I wanted them all gone. Like, okay, just, I don't want to see that. She's like, well, my life, my pictures, you know. And I'm like, you know, and... I said, really? Well, you know, if I thought I could have did better than her, I would have been out of there, but I couldn't, so I stayed around. <laughs> but I, when, I, when we got engaged, we went home, and I said, well, how about that now? And the pictures went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what an engagement ring will do. There you go. But that ring is a promise, like a guarantee. The Spirit of God that lives in you is a promise. It's a guarantee that Jesus will come back and restore your bodies from decay. And not only is he going to restore it, he's going to give you some upgrades, right? <laughs> You're going to get a greater body, right? He's going to bring us into heaven to be with our heavenly father. That, that is truth. You know, truth, like, like the same way these 16,000 negative, true. The same way that we're decaying, true. This is true. Let that settle in. Let it put a skip in your, in your heart in a good way. Let it just process this truth. Let it settle in. 
You see, God promises us a physical resurrection in the future and a spiritual resurrection right now. Yeah, we can and are having spiritual resurrections right now. I believe it in my heart that right now you're having a spiritual resurrection, that the Spirit of God is in you and it's being revived and it's alive and God, Holy Spirit and Jesus and God are all on you. And they're like, let us heal this person now. Let us deliver this person now. Let us now take this person to the next level. Let us do it now, today. God the Father, God the Son, God Holy Spirit. We can live as if we are filled with hope and optimism. We can. Because the Spirit of God lives in us. Because today, right now, we know our spirit is being resurrected. And we know in the future our bodies will be resurrected. I'm deciding right now to step out. I am right now willingly, gladly surrendering myself to Jesus, turning myself over to this Jesus to be my God. I am moving out of the realm of the flesh and its disappointment and its insufficiency and its lies and falsehood and emptiness and decay. And I am moving into the spirit, the spiritual realm, the realm of the spirit where there's hope and there's promises and there's life and eternal life and there's peace and is the answer to the 16,000 negative thoughts. And is the answer to the uncertainty of the future. And is the answer as to who am I and where am I going and why am I here? Today, I am accepting. I am receiving. I am believing. I am trusting in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that he's come to rescue me. And I'm going to have a relationship, an intimate, close relationship with this God. And I'm going to begin wonderfully by acknowledging God Almighty, my God in heaven, I was living in opposition to you. I was living in the realm of the flesh, and who knew? But now I'm turning to you. I'm repenting. I'm running to you. Knowing that you'll have me, knowing that you love me, knowing that you gave your life for me, knowing that you live in me right now, and I can just feel the hope, I can feel the potential, I can feel the promises, I can feel life in me, you in me. Most importantly, you cement that conversation in you. As we're singing this last song, you worship your God, you continue that conversation with God. Albert Einstein said there are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle, the other is as if everything is. Mm. So which is it? How are you going to live? In the material, in the realm of the flesh, or are you going to live in the realm of the spirit? Huh? Because there ain't no miracles going on here. There's just none. No such thing. But here, man, there's a miracle happening every day, and it's you. You are a walking miracle. You are the paradox of paradoxes. There exists death but life, and life wins. You are a walking miracle. You splash life around you. You don't have good, you have great. Because the Spirit of God lives in you. Live 2020 as if you are a walking miracle. Walk into your home this afternoon as if you're a walking miracle. Walk into your work on Monday as if you're a walking miracle. Look in the mirror as if you are a walking miracle. St. Augustine, wonderful Catholic monk, 
said God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. Live 2020 knowing that. I believe that. God loves me as if it's, I was the only one. God loves me so deeply, so mercifully, so abundantly. I believe that as if I was the only one, as if all his attention and his focus is on me. Live 2020 knowing God loves you. You say that to yourself over and over and over again. God be the glory.